If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, and I want to go to, um, we're going to go down to verses 25 through 37. We're going to read this, this passage, but I want to talk to you. Last week we talked about uh, faith in action and just wanted to follow up on this with love in action, uh, believing that one of the greatest things that the world needs today is love, true love. Love that is what God designs, not what the world says uh, it is. And oftentimes we look at, at the world around us, we, we just sort of, you know, we say it so glibly, you know, love, I love this, I love that. Uh, but the Bible talks about a kind of love that is intense, a kind of love that is, uh, that goes beyond the normal you know, kind of fluffy, flighty feelings that we sometimes have uh, about various things. Uh, if you, uh, you understand that love, if, if you've been alive any amount of time, you know that love is not about a feeling. It is a commitment. It is about what you, you are and who you are as related to somebody else when they are, uh, they are in, in great difficulty and, and having... Difficult times in life. Yeah, that will work best, won't it? Uh, we, we still, uh, we're working on it. We're working on it. But a lot of times, love, uh, for many of us, it is, you, you have the ability to love somebody who is, you know, sometimes we say, oh, I love that person. And in the back of our minds, it's because they've been so kind to us. They've been so nice to us. They have treated us with the utmost of respect, they have been just gone above and beyond when it comes to their helping or their being a part of our lives or something like that. I'll never forget one brother who, uh, when he first met my wife and I, actually we weren't married at that time, uh, we're back at at Zion, he came to visit to speak. Uh, I consider him a friend, though I haven't seen him in literally, I would say, 20 plus years uh, but when I met him, he's just this, he's this, you know, he's this big guy. He is, um, he has a, a PhD, I, I can't remember, in something. I don't know what it is. I, I can't even recall what it was. Something with theology. Uh, he's, he has archaeological digs. He does all kinds of things. And he said, will you guys let me be a permanent part of your life? And I was blown away. I never heard anybody say that in my life. I thought, I went away, I said, I love Dr. Bez. I just love Dr. Bez. And I've been trying for years to get him to come and to be here, but it just hasn't worked out. But he just, you know, and, and he, is an easy, he was an easy guy to love. And there are those people who are easy to love. But Jesus, when he talks about love, never talks about those who are easy to love. In fact, the idea behind love is that it is not a feeling and that it is not something that causes you to do nothing. It causes action. In fact, love is an action word. Let's start at verse 25 of Luke chapter 10. 
The Bible says this, on one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. Isn't that way, the way human nature is? We want to justify ourselves, so we drill down a little bit further. Had he left his mouth shut at this point, that would have been the end of it. But listen to what goes on. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, when he, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came, through, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. You may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. This entire passage is concerned with the theme of love. In fact, you will find, if you do any kind of search in the Bible, you will find that the word love is mentioned over 500 times in the Scripture. Love is vital to our serving God and serving others. It is vital that we don't categorize what love needs to be according to our own feelings, but that we find what the Scripture says and then we put what the Scripture says into action. You see, the story that Jesus told was a tough one. In fact, it was a tough one for any Jewish audience to hear, simply because at that time, there was, between the Jews and Samaritans, racial hatred. They were not of the same race. Samaritans were, according to the Jews, considered to be half-breeds. They were half-Jewish, half-Gentile. They were not fully Jewish, and therefore they were to be shunned, they were to be pushed away, they had no part with the law and with Moses, with any of the blessings of the household of Israel, and Jesus came to tear down all of those, those racial barriers, those things that often get in people's way that today, even today, we are still dealing with the problem in our country, and around the world for that matter. 
Jesus tells this important story and showing us how important it is and the fact that love is required. If you are to wear the label Christian, if I am to wear the label Christian, and to say that we are followers of Jesus Christ, then love is required. And love is required, brothers and sisters, based on what Jesus has said. Here is the question that the man put to Jesus. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It was a great question. It's an important question. It's a question that many, many people No, however, it didn't necessarily come from someone who wanted to know the truth. And and part of what we're now seeing in society, in our culture, in American society is, don't tell anybody what they don't want to hear because then that is not loving. It's an amazing thing how we bring that philosophy along into adulthood. Please don't ruffle my feathers the wrong way. I'm not going to like you. You know what, brothers and sisters, the love of Jesus is not pretty. When it comes down, the love of Jesus was shown by Him being nailed to a cross. He died on the cross because He loved. He gave of Himself because He loved. And many times we think that somehow telling somebody that it's possible for them to be saved through Jesus Christ and Him alone, that somehow they will think, oh no, I'm just, I, you know, that's just too religiously intense. Don't, don't do that. It's an amazing thing. We don't use that principle and those, those practices when it comes to raising children. When the first time a child happens toward a very hot oven or a very hot stove, you exercise the truth as a parent, don't you? You say, let me tell you what you need to do to make sure that you are safe. This question of what must I do to inherit eternal life is still a question that people have. They may not be asking it the same way, but brothers and sisters, I want to tell you that there are people going around trying to find hope, trying to find help. They are doing their best to seek some answer. And I want you to know that if you have Jesus Christ in your life, you have the answer. He is the answer. Jesus presented a little bit later a counter question. Jesus looked at the man who took so much pride in knowing the law. This man knew the law, and this man not only knew the law, he practiced it. He put it into practice. And Jesus knew what was going on in this man's heart, and he asked him what the Scripture said. What does the Bible say? What does the Word of God say? And the man rightly summed up how that law, what the law said, that he was to do to inherit eternal life. Love the Lord your God with all your soul, your heart, your strength, and your mind. He said, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, right answer. That's the right thing. That's good. But the man pushed it a little too far because sometimes there are dark recesses of our own heart that we're trying to justify, that we're trying to hold on to, and that we try to keep for ourselves. Listen, we've got to give our all to Him. We've got to give our very best to Him and and say, Lord, You are the one that I want to serve and give my whole life to. The difference between having the right answer and living the right answer is the difference between night and day. You see, a lot of times we can say, well, we've got Jesus. Jesus is the answer. But are you living the way that Jesus wants you to live? 
Are you living in a manner that pleases Him? Are you living in the light of His love? Are you willing to love others? And we're going to get into this in just a moment. But look at what the requirement was that Jesus gave to this man. He said this, do this and you'll live. I'm not interested about whether or not you you really have the head knowledge. This man had the head knowledge. But Jesus said, do it and live. Live it. Don't just say you're, you're, you're going to do it. Don't just, just say you're a believer. Well, a lot of people, they, they've ridden their parents' coattails forever. Have an experience for yourself. Get into the presence of God and recognize the love that he showed to you is the same kind of love that he now wants you to live out on a daily basis. Hey, but pastor, that's too hard. It's too frustrating. It's, it's you know, you hit a dead, dead end every now and then. You meet up with some cantankerous people who make you feel worse about your life and worse about your day and do I really have to love them well let's keep looking let's just keep looking you see verses 29 through 32 we see this that love is refused listen to this but Jesus or but he that is the man the lawyer wanted to justify himself so he asked Jesus and who is my neighbor In reply, Jesus said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. I'm not going to read the whole thing again. But the two individuals who came first, the Bible says they passed by on the other side. They were walking, and the the indication, all indication is, they're walking on the same side of the street, and all of a sudden they pull a little detour and go on the other. Let me just walk through around so I don't have to deal with this mess here. Also, all indications are that the man laying there half dead, beaten, left, left in such a state that he needed immediate attention, all indications were that he was a countryman, a fellow Jewish man from the household of Israel, and here are his own countrymen walking out around him. No, let me not deal with that today. I don't, I don't feel like dealing with that. I don't feel like dealing with that problem, that, that issue. You know, there, there are other people. I've got enough problems of my own today. You know, I've got a busy schedule. You know, I've got to make it to church. I've got to, you know, I've got to get, get here and get there. I've got to go do this. And the religious leader didn't have a problem with the first part of the requirement that he had heard from Jesus. Didn't have a problem with that. Not at all. But he likely had felt that all his study and knowledge of God, that God was impressed enough to grant him eternal life. All that study. Oh, oh, I know all the answers, Jesus. It was the whole neighbor part that caused him to think a little further on the subject and then try to justify his own wrong attitudes toward others. Because it very well could have been that this man, in fact, was an individual just like that Pharisee and that Levite in the story that Jesus told, where at some point or another he had seen somebody who was destitute, somebody who was hurt, somebody who was down and out, and he did not understand that the Bible and, and that the, the law of Moses even indicated that he prefer, God prefers mercy over justice. That he prefers that you show mercy in the situation. Instead, he had his own thing to do. You see, as Jesus explains the story of the Good Samaritan, 
we see in this how love is refused. It's refused, first of all, and we have to be very careful of this in our own lives, by evasion. Avoidance does not exempt you from responsibility. Evading the problem, evading the, the, the pain of somebody else doesn't exempt you from the responsibility of ministering to them in need. And a lot of times we think, well, if I just don't look, I don't have to do anything about it. If I don't, if I don't, you know, if I don't hear about it, let me just go on my way. If I don't, I don't see the problem, or if, or if I, let me just avoid it, I'll go around it. You know what, I've got a busy schedule, busy life, got to move on, got things to do, got to stop at the store, get something for, you know, we, we get consumed by all kinds of things when all around us there are people who are being left half dead, not physically on the street, but spiritually there are people who are wandering in hopelessness and they are crying out for somebody to take a moment just to smile at them and say, how is your day going? Can I help you with something? Just a little bit of something extra, brothers and sisters, that we are so prone to just push back and say, nope, not going to happen in my life. Evading the problem does not exempt you from responsibility. There might have been a twinge of caring in one of those two, men's, two men who passed by. We don't know. There might have been something on the inside of them that said, ooh, ooh, I feel so bad for that guy. But feeling isn't enough. Remember, the title of this message is Love in Action. And they didn't act. They just avoided they went around. They didn't do anything. They felt maybe it's somebody else's responsibility. I'm tired. Let somebody else minister to this man. Let somebody else help this guy. Brothers and sisters, evasion takes place when you neither want to take responsibility for that need or you place your own agenda above a human life. When you, you don't want to take that responsibility for yourself. No, it's not my job. It's not, you know, we're... In, in the world of business, you know, there is that, that, that one, you know, phrase that people pull out every now and then, not my department. That's not my department. Not my job. Jesus is about to make all of this our job. He is about to make helping others our job. You see, love is also refused not only by evasion, but also by indifference. Indifference. It's unclear as to which of either the priest or the Levite had this attitude, but indifference runs rampant among the religious crowd. Who cares? It's that apathetic attitude. I don't really care. Nah. There is an indifference toward the, the need of others. There is this attitude of, what can I do? I can't do anything. You know, they'll have to deal with it on their own. And on their own they go, hopelessly wandering, lost, looking for somebody to show the love of Christ. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't approach the cross, look at the cross and say, you know what, that's too painful. Nah, they're not worth it. They're not worth it. Aren't you glad that he didn't do that? I want you to know, 
none of us would be able to be here today. None of us would be, have, have life eternal without Jesus being willing to put his own life at risk. You see, this Samaritan, first of all, that road that went down, it was famous, this road that went from Jericho to Jerusalem, it was famous for, for being a place where a bands of robbers would do the very thing that Jesus told in the story. It was, a, it was a treacherous place. It was a horrible place where people could get exactly what took place. And for this Samaritan man to stop, He was putting his own life at risk. He could have been as indifferent as anybody else. But the Bible lets us know that he wasn't, that he took time to stop. He took time to bandage up his wounds. And that brings us to the last part of this where love is revealed. He didn't refuse to love. He didn't refuse to do that. The Bible says this in verse 33. Let me just read this again. But a Samaritan man, as he traveled, came where the man was. When he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to the inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. When I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think? was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers. The expert of the law replied, and I don't know how he did it, but he admitted the one who had mercy on him. Jesus said, go and do likewise. How is love revealed? First, it is by feeling. I mentioned earlier that it's not only a feeling, but feeling is a part of it. It starts by that. Not all of us have experienced the same things in life, but we have experienced things that have left us hurting and feeling alone and feeling helpless. So often the compassion that should come from our hearts is really often suppressed because we don't think we can identify with what the other person is going through. A lot of times we think, well, they're going through something. I don't even know what what it's like. I didn't even know what it's like to experience that. But I want you to know, brothers and sisters, it didn't all come down. You know, the good Samaritan didn't look at the man laying there and saying, you know, I'm not really sure I can help this guy because I've never been mugged, beaten, and left for dead. So therefore, I can't minister to you. Sorry. Maybe a, a couple of robbers will come and they'll do this to me and then I'll be able to minister to you. You know, I once had somebody tell me, you know, Pastor Lawrence, I don't think you can really identify with me because, you know, didn't you grow up in the country and I grew up in the city and I grew up in tough neighborhoods and didn't you, you know, and, and went on all these kinds of differences. And I said, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. I said, but I'm not here to present me to you. I'm here to present Jesus to you. And as long as Jesus died on the cross for you, I want you to know that anybody can identify with your situation. He's the one who has to identify. I'm not going to come into your heart and change your life. I can't do that. He had to come into my heart and change my life. It's about Jesus, folks. It's not about what you have experienced and been through. You say, I can't minister to that person because I don't know what they're going through. That's okay. Jesus knows what they're going through. He knows what they're dealing with. He knows the feelings that they have and the pain and the suffering of their life. He knows exactly what it is that they are going through. If we are to truly love the sinner or other believers, we have to allow ourselves to feel the pain, their pain and their sorrow. And that sometimes is inconvenient and it's difficult. But nonetheless, this man 
is a true example, according to Jesus, of what it means to love your neighbor. Not the next door neighbor, but your neighbor, somebody who is hurting, somebody who is around you, your neighbor in life. You know, we are all cut from the same cloth. We are all fallen humanity. So your neighbor is anybody who is in need. The feeling should also lead us to helpfulness. You see, pity, sympathy, and compassion are useless unless they spring to action to help. You can have the feeling, but the feeling is not enough. The feeling is a starting point. Let me feel what somebody else feels, but now when I feel that, am I going to to shy away? Am I going to say, no, that's just too intense. I don't want to have to deal with that on a regular basis. Or is it going to be something that will cause us to spring into action? This Samaritan came down the road. He saw the man and he probably in that moment said, oh, I feel so such pity for him. And immediately he gets down off his donkey. And he begins to bind up his wounds, pour oil and wine in there to, to help them to heal. He does, he, he puts him on his donkey, lifts him up and puts him on his own donkey and takes him to a place and at his own expense begins to care for him and help him. Brothers and sisters, love goes way beyond what we even begin to imagine sometimes. As Christians, we know the story. How many of us know this story? But how many of us sometimes read this story and say, ah, yeah, let me find something else today. Find some other scripture. Let me go to the Psalms. David, what do you got? I'll make a joyful noise. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus shows us here that in order for us to be what he wants us to be, We need to love in a way that honors his gift of love. The very example of love comes from him. He is our example. He's the one who looked at you and said, you know what? You're sinful. He didn't look at you in your condition and say, well, let me avoid you. He came to us. He came to each and every one of us so that we could have life. We could have, you know what, there's so many people who are in a helpless, helpless condition in the world. There are so many people who today are hopeless in the world, not to mention just in our own city. You know what, folks, there are people all around us that we could be reaching out to, that we could be ministering to, you know, and some have felt that, you know, perfect theology is what's needed for the day that we're living in. I once had somebody basically tell me, you know, this was years ago, Pastor Impagli was still here, you know, you know, I, I, I feel to move on from the church. I, I don't feel to stay here because, you, you know, you don't preach enough theology. Really? And I, you know, I had to, I did some soul searching. You know, somebody tells me I don't do something right. Tells me I don't preach right. You know, I got to, I got to, you know, go back to the drawing board and try to figure out what it is. I, I know I'm not the best, but you know, you got to, you do some soul searching. So I, I, you know, not enough theology. Okay. But when it all comes down to it, isn't our theology supposed to have practical effects on our lives? When we love as the Bible tells us to love and we believe what Jesus told us in the Scripture, shouldn't it have, you know, we're not supposed to sit around in a circle and argue about all all the finer points of theology. We're supposed to go do something. I I love Matthew West. 
I don't know if any of you have heard of Matthew West. His album, I forget what the title of the album, I was play, I've played it over and over, and there's that song called Do Something. Have you heard that? It just, I keep playing it and playing it, and it's such a powerful, powerful song. And you know what, brothers and sisters, when it all comes down to it, you and I are called to do something, not to just sit by and watch. We're not to be spectators. We are to be participators. We're to get involved and do what God has called us to do, and it requires sacrifice. Listen to what happened. The, the Samaritan gave. He gave a number of things. There are about seven things that he gave, eight things. He gave this. He gave his eyes to see the hurting man. He saw him only as a man, not as someone who was of a different race, a different culture, but as a human being in need. He saw him. He gave his eyes. He gave his heart to act upon what his eyes saw to actually do something about it, to minister to the problem. He gave his feet to come near to the wounded man. He gave his hands to administer healing to the man, to bind up his wounds, to pour in oil and wine to bring healing. He gave his mind, his thought on how to help the man recover. It wasn't just enough to bandage up his wounds and then leave and leave the guy laying there. He had to think. He had to give of his mind. He had to give of his time. He gave his time to bring the man to a place of refuge and recovery, a safe place. He gave his speech to instruct those on how to care for the stranger that he had brought in. And he gave of his money to help provide for the man's needs. And therefore, it really could be safe to say, I think, that he gave his all. He gave his all. When Jesus came to this earth to die on the cross for all of us, you can look at what he gave and you can say, Jesus gave his all. Why is it that sometimes we only want to give part? You know why? Because I think that we don't have enough of Jesus in us that we should have. That we have not come into the place where we're saying, Jesus, use me. Lord, Let work through me. Let others see you in me. And you know what, brothers and sisters? That takes prayer and it takes actually acting upon what we know to do is right. Doesn't James, the book of James, say, To him who knoweth to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. That's, that's a verse of script. I just, it's a tough one. But the bottom line is, what are we to do with all of this? Jesus summed up what he was saying to the lawyer by giving his command. Go and do likewise. He said, whatever that Samaritan man did, that's what you need to do. That's how you need to live. That's how you need to put all that theology into practice. All the stuff that you have crammed in your brain, good for you. But in the end, it's about what you do with all of that. It's not about 
how well you can argue. It's not about how well you can do all of these things. He said, go and do likewise. It is within your power to follow the example of the practicality shown by the Samaritan man. We have to pray, make it a prayer, our prayer, that God will burn within our hearts the intensity of love that puts legs to whatever it is that we profess to know. Brothers and sisters, more than anything else, in the day that we are living in, the world is not looking for good arguers. It's not looking for good answers. It is looking for somebody to be Jesus to them. And it's up to us. The final question is who needs love? And quite honestly, the cross proved this one truth. For God so loved the world. Who needs love today? You do. Who needs love? That person tomorrow who's going to cut in front of you when you're on your way to work? Oh, I know. Believe me, I know. Who needs love? The guy who jumps in front of you to get on the L right as the doors are closing and you can't get in and now you're late for work. Who needs love? That person who is down and out that you feel you really, you don't have it within your power to do anything. What can I do so little? They need so much. And yet, I think if you were to ask, they might not actually ask much of you. They might only want a little, might only need a little. So give that. 